Welcome to the Mark Explains Podcast, where we discuss anything from science and faith to politics, aliens, sex, and everything in between. My name is Mark, and I'm the host of this podcast, along with my best friend, Ashlyn. I am a chemist and geoscientist, and I studied at Michigan State University, but I am also a former evangelical worship leader, and I also did search and rescue from the back of a helicopter in the U.S. Coast Guard stationed all the way in Alaska over a decade ago. My life is replete with really unique stories and connections with the most unique people on this planet. And my goal in this podcast is to bring those conversations to as many of you as I can, and to hopefully bring laughter, peace, knowledge, and healing to all of you that listen. Welcome to the Mark Explains Podcast. God, do I have to hear my voice? Oh, that's like half the magic, man. You know why people don't like hearing their voice? Because it sounds different in their own brain or in their own skull. Yeah, because it's lower because yeah. the vibrations. And so my voice doesn't sound the sweet, sexy voice that I think I have turns into this nasally, <laughs> whiny voice. <laughs> Once we, uh, oh yeah, there it is. Oh God, I just have to, I just have to do that. That's. It sounds great, man. Mm. You got a good podcast voice. <clears throat> You, you oh, get, I, could, I could turn on my uh, FM radio voice. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. Oh, hi. Do you, have you ever done a podcast before? No. I know it's... It, it's your know. first one. Yeah. Welcome, man. Yeah. Welcome. To, I haven't even done a podcast in... Whew. It's been like three months. It, and that's just because of all the uh, the apparel stuff that's been going on. It's, it's absolutely taken off. Uh, Thick Boy has just absolutely exploded i don't know if you were paying attention to the fresh coast games you guys had a bro. disgustingly cool bro yeah <laughs> so i'll tell you the story so like we we launched in january like you kind of yeah. saw the genesis of the whole mm-hmm. thing because we were still around the gym at the time and i we didn't really know what we were going to do with it it was like is this a thing is this not mm-hmm. a thing i don't really know and then in march i was like you know what let's just do it if mm-hmm. we're gonna do it let's do it And we went in and, uh, in like March, we did a small event down in Jackson where we were a vendor and we learned a whole bunch. Um, we were trying to like print, we had like 30 designs and we were trying to print every design in every color and every size. And I was like, this is like 30 grand of inventory for a tiny, I was like, we can't do this. This is too much. Mm -hmm. So then we were trying to do like these swatches, like you put a swatch and then we put the swatches up and people would come in and say, oh, I like that design on that thing. And we realized real quick that people don't don't like that. There's, it's too, it's it's decision paralysis. There's too much. Um, So then we're like, we need to pick like the top 10 designs of the stuff that we sell and we need to get them in print. Mm -hmm. And so people can sift through, they want to Mm -hmm. feel the shirt. Mm And since we've done that, our sales have exploded. Yep. And we knew we were going to do Fresh Coast, and we got like the gold title sponsorship for it, which isn't the highest here, but it's oh. like the second highest yeah, yeah, yeah. here. Uh, LRX still had the highest, but we're gonna we're, we're gonna get it next year. <laughs> um, and uh, and we were going in, and Andy was like, "So, <clears throat> uh, you know, like we have a twenty by twenty foot spot." Yeah. Yeah. which is big for a vendor booth. You typically it's 10 by 10. And I'm like, I don't really know what I want to do. And we were talking and this and that. And I went down to the semifinals down in Florida mm-hmm. and um, the CrossFit game semifinals. And I saw the born primitive booth. Mm-hmm. And it was like mm-hmm. these trussings that just went 10 foot tall. 
It was 20 feet wide, 10 foot back. And I was like, oh, I want that. Because when I was standing back at the other side of the room, they were the ones I saw. Right. And right. I was like, that's what stands out to me. Yeah. So then I got to talking to Andy and I was like, bro, what if we buy a rig? Yeah. Like, I just want like a, a pull-up rig yeah. that you find at the CrossFit gym. Yeah. I want a rig. Yeah. And I want it to be um, like two four foot by six foot sections that are mm -hmm. detachable basically. Mm -hmm. And I want a, a four, uh, I want, and then I want to extend the four by six to make it a four by 10 mm -hmm. um, or a six by 10. I apologize. So you take the four foot sections off and replace the four foot with 10 foot sections. And so it's six by 10 and on the other side. And so we basically created a six by 10 rig, put the tent in the center of it and then a six by 10 rig on the other side. And then we elevated the tent to the top of the rig and just zip tied it in with industrial zip ties. And then we hung up banners yeah. and it looked it, absurd. It looked good. So big. And we, I mean like the people that didn't take us seriously all of a sudden took us seriously. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird how that works. Like people don't think you're like, they don't take you seriously. And then they, you like show up with something really big yeah. or flashy and they're like, yeah. Oh, you're real. And it looked good. You guys, uh, you, you did all the work beforehand. You made it look professional, right? It's like fake it till you make it, right? Bro, this, you, you, you want to talk about imposter syndrome? Yeah. To like, yeah. the max. And you just have to be like, yeah, this is just it. It, it, yeah. Oh it, man, that has to be. So a, we bought the rig from yeah GLC, the one, the old one that was outside. Yeah, just, it just been collecting wasps. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That, like, did Andy tell you? No, you told me. I told you. Yeah, you were. You guys were like pressure washing, and just like they were. Well, no, you guys spent some time just like blasting them with poison. Oh, dude! Like we, we went in, we went in, and day one we had eight cans of wasps. So there were um, eight uprights that are ten foot tall, and they're hollow with a bunch of holes, and it's just, it's perfect for a wasp to go in to this tube and make a nest. So. We were like looking inside. There's nests on the bottom and on the top and in the middle. So we were going in. We were running close, spraying, and then sprinting away as fast as we could. But we had to do this for eight of the uprights. Well, I guess there was there was 12 at that time. Um, so we were doing it with all of them. And we used all eight cans of wasp spray. And I was like, this isn't working. And so the next day I went and found industrial wasp spray. And the stuff, it says it has like millivolt um like it 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 sends millivolts like the the through the the it uses the energy of the wasp to send the millivolts back into it so basically electrocutes them using the <laughs> it was what and so i was like no way this stuff works and so i was taking it and spraying the moment it touched a wasp it dropped straight dead to the ground i'm like it works also don't touch it <laughs> so fun fact uh there was a wasping is a thing wasping and so it's done in the, this is uh public health insight uh it's a way for people to get high uh because they will they will snort like the wasp, wasp spray what not the industrial strength oh. one but the normal stuff you can huff that you can technically huff anything if it does something to you that's what makes people do I it i feel like it's a so it kills your uh, nervous system but before, apparently, it feels really pleasurable. <laughs> yeah, because your nervous system is dying. dying. Yeah. It feels great. Yeah. It, I don't know the exact mechanism, but yeah, people will just... They call it wasping? Yeah. Oh, man. It, it, I feel it, like we're... This is like a 50-50 in informing the public health. Right. And also Please don't do this. Cluing like, people this in is, on the new... I 
mean, like, time. honestly, look around you, person. If you're wondering if you can huff it, you can. You just might die. You might like, die. Like <laughs> in fact, the, there's a good chance you if will. If this kills things, it's probably going to kill you. some part of you. The solution you. to pollution is dilution. So we are just larger than most things we try and poison. Did you just coin pre-1978 Clean Water <laughs> yeah, Act yeah, of Michigan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what the government was saying about pollution before the Clean Water Act. Yeah, it was like, like dioxin, just, it'll go away probably. Trust it, us. Just drop it in the you know, just drop it in the ocean. It's yeah. d- diluting. I mean, or your neighbor's backyard. Whatever, man. There's some truth to that. I don't know. Pro- probably not to the Great Lakes, though. What do you mean? There's some truth to that. Like, because it all it's like We're everything. We're in a closed system. So. Oh, th- Earth. No. Being a closed no. System. no. <laughs> You can't get rid of anything. It's just you have to control it. So if you if you put a certain amount of chemicals into the ocean, this is a gr- I love this conversation so much right now. Oh no! Into the ocean, it's going. I mean, the parts per million will dilute out so so much that even it won't even be a trace. It would be parts per trillion or less. So, but there are things that can kill you at parts per trillion, like dioxins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everyone has PFAS in their body now I, thanks I, to thanks to wildfires and uh well well wildfires don't help but uh the like we they cannot they had to go into blood samples from like pre-Vietnam to yeah. find the PFAS the P- PFAS free blood yeah so we just all have it now um <clears throat> and uh so that's cool good Good corporate. It's funny, like PFAS perfluoro uh, activated. It's it. I just know that F is fluorinated. Yeah, it's per, uh, it's perfluor. Like it's funny. I know what, what PFOA is, perfluoroctanoic yeah. acid, but it or PFOA is a PFAS, and there's like a whole brand of it. Basically, they're um, <clears throat> persistent PCPs per, yeah. or POPs, persistent organic comp. Pollutants, persistent or get yeah, pops. It, there you go. It's funny because I was just I'm digging with, deep in my no, no, no. no. I was just man. last week I was helping a, my brother in law, and he's a PhD chemist. Um, and I would start talking things that most people would just kind of go, uh huh, uh huh. And then he would uh-huh. go, like, hey, what's what is what is it like a what's the resonance? Like, you know, he would <laughs> he would start asking me, and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I'm out of my depth. I'm not. A, I'm not a PhD. Yeah. I know enough to probably hey, get myself in trouble. Yeah. No, I don't know enough. So I like the. I just know the very big top level of PFAS and the fact that it's not going yeah, away. Well, I did a big. I did a big study on it um, back in February when the the train spilled in East Palestine, Ohio. Oh yeah. With all of the chemicals. Yeah. Um, and there were a few on there that were really, really oh, bad. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and I was like pushing really hard to get the people <clears throat> to get the government to pay for the two mile radius of people to get them out because yeah. that <clears throat> ground is forever tainted. Yep. And it's a ma- only a matter of time before it's going to seep. It'll go into the groundwater, which it's, it's on its way right now, but groundwater mm. moves slowly. It's going to mm. take a couple of years. Um, but it's also traveling like in the Southwest direction. So the town over, I think it's like Lincoln, Ohio, that town is also, um, going, they're going to have to worry about their water in probably five or six years. But like, these are things that the EPA is just like, I don't know if, and if we don't test, then we don't know. Well, 
So this is a this has been a decade long campaign of neutering the EPA of any ability to do any of its regulatory Dude, work. So, so like you you we can't I can't you know when it's a there's a certain part of the political sphere that wants the government to be inept because then they can defund the government. Like yeah. there's nothing inherent about government that makes it bad. Uh, there's nothing inherent about anything that is inherently bad. It's what how we use it. They're tools. Yeah, and a hammer a hammer can build or it can kill. Yeah, yeah, and so it I I, I it is so multifaceted. It's just been decade long campaign, single mindedly focused on dismantling the government or making it stupid. Yeah, uh, and now like many things, our generation is like, hey, that that bill that our parents you know they what is it they loaned out when mm -hmm. in their 20s and they said oh a 50-year loan perfect we'll definitely pay it off by then well they did nothing no. <laughs> it's only accrued interest yep. and now we are coming into our prime earning years yep. our prime taxing years and all of these things are in no state of repair yep. like infrastructure has not been invested in our environment's not been invested in well if like i mean let's be real the government doesn't run the country corporations do right right right, right, and right, right. you get these big corporations like norfolk southern that run all the railroads in right. the country i mean they we're talking like a multi-hundred billion dollar company if not more because the microphones that we're talking on and the speakers in your car that you're listening on right now at one point came out of train oh yeah Oh yeah, it had to, and that's the, like the, like that's the level of infrastructure that we're dealing with. And so when a train topples over and spills um, these very volatile chemicals that are going into the air, and then they have to light them on fire and other in order to make them slightly less well, bad. Well, to re I mean to remediate, control yeah. burn, to remediate, right. but then it's spilling dioxins in the right. air, and then that's right. going to come down as in the form of dioxin rain or acid yeah. rain, and it's going to I mean like all of these things like, we have to consider this. But then the people are like demanding that the EPA come in and test. And so the EPA is like, okay, we'll come in and test. And then they don't, or they do. And all like, so I was following this really mm -hmm. big and they, they, they were testing and testing and um, they were using these, uh, these basically multimeters that were, they didn't have the ability to test down to the level at you know like it was only they were only testing in parts per million but mm -hmm. dioxins you have to worry about parts per trillion mm -hmm. and they were registering on parts per million on some of these so we're looking at like you know six orders of magnitude higher concentration than what should have been <clears throat> but they were saying that they just had faulty instruments there's no way it was that high and so they were basically just saying um our tests are inconclusive and they kept saying it over and over and over um, and the reason why is because you get Norfolk Southern coming in and oh. they like Norfolk Southern basically said, if you shut down the railroad, we're going to sue the state of Ohio, which will cost the state of Ohio more than uproot than uh, it'll cost them more if they sue than it will to uproot everyone and move them. So it's cheaper just to keep everyone quiet and like, so that there's multiple options here. Like you test and if the test comes back and says it's really bad we're gonna have to move everyone out and they're like no you're not going to do that but if you shut everything down we're going to sue you so like the corporation is it was running this it was running the state it's running the epa it 
God, that's so frustrating because in theory, the regulations that our national government have imposed would step in and say, you know, shove it, private company. You have a history of neglecting. Well, it's so ironic that this happened, like, was it a couple months after the worker strike, the the railroad uh, worker strike? Yeah. It was, you know, and now those are almost unrelated because it's not like the workers were advocating for the – they were advocating for safer working conditions and better work and pay, but along with that, it just showed that because they they shut them down on that aspect, they were also shutting down. They were not improving the infrastructure no. that they were they were supposed to. I think they had something like they were supposed to reinvest a certain percentage of their yeah. profits, and they just straight up don't. It's just like what happened with the California wildfires, where the uh, California Power and Water they were supposed to invest because they were a public company, they were supposed to reinvest to yeah. keep the infrastructure up. They never did that. They were just pocketing it. Um, That's wild. It's, it's Well, I mean, and then you even get levels of, I mean, you, this is hard. Like, this part's hard for me because I want to believe that the government exists to create boundaries for corporations to help the people. Like, that's the, you know, the, that's part of what the government does. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but the EPA very shortly after the like so the the train spilled mm-hmm. spilled a handful about eight chemicals that are that were really 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 mm-hmm. bad um and uh <clears throat> um the EPA went in immediately within that one week period before long before testing could even mm-hmm. start like they they're just talking about like cleaning up the trains at this point yeah. um <clears throat> the EPA went and changed the what's called an actionable level so there's different levels, um, and when they test, the let's just say, for example, dioxin has to be at a certain level in order for the EPA to take action and come in and say, hey, we need to provide relief for these people. So there, and there's like low, medium, and high. That's really a rough way of saying it, but like these different actionable right. levels. Right. Um, and uh, <clears throat> they changed the levels at which they take action. Oh, within that one week period, (laughs) they shifted the goalposts. They added zeros basically to every actionable level, like multiple zeros. So before it was like, and I believe it's between 70 and 100 parts per trillion is the dioxin level that is dangerous to humans if you are exposed over a certain period of time. And it's also depending on what type of exposure. Is it airborne exposure? Is it it soil or water exposure? Is it Um, inhalation? Right, or is it ingestion exposure? Because dioxin doesn't like water. It likes to grab onto... uh, fibrous materials and mm. like plants or soil it does mm. it, it'll go into the air briefly but as soon as it rains down it'll grab onto okay. plants and then an animal will eat that yeah. and then if you eat the animal you it's it's bioaccumulative so it'll mm. continue up the chain um so they change their actionable levels knowing that these these oh, results would come back higher in this area so they wouldn't have to do anything oh wow like you want to talk about corruption at the highest level. Yeah. Like we don't want to help people on such a level that we're going to change our policy on people's health to avoid getting sued by a corporation. And there's just I there's a part of me that doesn't believe that it would that the company or that the state would actually lose money in that. Uh I don't know. Like, Cuz like I feel like the fear of it is huge and sure initially it might 
but the media, right? That's the thing is you, you bring media into it. You start, there isn't a, you know, I, there's a part of me that does believe that if you mud rake, you know, you can generate in actual, uh, ground support for these things and well, you the can problem, enact change. Well, the, the problem is the the media was gone by the time this happened. Right. So like when that, right. when, it, when it first happened, right. it had all of this, you know, this coverage and support. And then it was after it died down. Yeah. Norfolk Southern basically Comes said in. on this train from here to here, where the, where you are talking about destroying the rail rail line. Yep. We generate this amount of money per day. We're going right. to sue you that amount of money per day until it's back up. That seems so holy they, moly. And so, <laughs> um, and, and they said, if you're estimating six to twelve months, we are going to sue for twelve months oh, wow. of every day. And it was some outrageous number, yeah. like twenty thousand dollars a day yeah. for six months. Yeah. And it was it was absurd. And so the state of, state of Ohio was just like, we can't. Yeah. We can't do that. It, and you know, and it was like. They would have to shut it down and move everyone out. So the EPA yeah. was like, "We would, we're just going to change our standards to say that everyone is safe. Your drinking water is safe. Everything is safe." And I'm like, "Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god! This is crazy." So what do we do with that? Right? Like you have, like I've been telling the people they have to move. Right. Like I saw, like I, I, you know, on my TikTok, I literally was just telling people, I was like, "You have to go." Yeah. Like, and people, but they're not going to get any compensation for moving now. No, what, they never did. A few of them got $1,000 to relocate for a week. What the heck? In the so one-mile radius, there was there was about 250 people that got $1,000 to relocate for a week during the worst part of it when the um, when the chemical burn was so bad, it was yeah. uh, like they were saying, like, you'll die if basically yeah. you're in this red zone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so they relocate, relocated those people for one week, and then they came back, and then they were just like... Good luck with life. Wow. Basically. And I'm over here saying if you drink those waters, yeah. you are going to die not fast, but slow. Yeah. It's not gonna be like you drink it one day and all of a sudden you have a heart attack and die. It's yeah. going to be like your health is going to diminish over time. And you're gonna think yeah. like, man, I feel like I'm not sleeping yeah. well and and then you get headaches and yeah. then next thing you know you have tumors and then yeah. you die. Yeah. That's what happens here. Yeah. It's uh in Europe and your European Union, the uh, you they make corporations prove something safe. Oh, and here, we just have to prove it's not dangerous, kind which of. is a huge, yeah, and kind of. Kind like, of. It depends Mar on how big the check is. Dangerous. Like, how much, how much are you paying this uh, for their campaign costs? That's the, uh, that's the question. And it's wild to me. Like, all, all of it's wild to me because, like, the, everything is everything is manipulatable. It's all about like wordage and yeah. like, like how yeah. can I word this or change this? I mean, like a good example was immediately after the, immediately after the spill, the chemical spill, yeah. the EPA went and started testing like immediately. Yeah. Um, you know, within days they were like, look, your, your, your drinking water is safe. And I went on there and I was like, I want to explain how drinking water works. And so I basically drew a diagram of, um, unconfined aquifers, which is basically where most of us get our water. Um, and in that area, they get it from an unconfined aquifer, which is basically like sand and gravel that, uh, that water is kept within. It's not mm -hmm. like a, it's not like a cavern. It's like mud, like muddy sand, muddy gravel. And we inject these wells with screens and it pulled the water from those, oh, uh, from, okay. from the mud. Well, it's not really mud. It's more like sandy gravel. So yeah. the water can flow through it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but these wells are between 70 and 90 feet in that area, but 
can be as deep as 120 feet Mm -hmm. in that area. If I go and I take a bottle of water, and let's just say this bottle of water has a certain dye in it Mm -hmm. because I want it to be traced. And so Mm -hmm. I put a tracker dye in it. And it has um, certain certain tracks of, you know, like fluorine or whatever I want it. I know it has this exact um, isomer in it that I can track. And I go and dump it in my front yard and I go turn on my tap, yeah. it's not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Because the amount of time that's called recharge, the amount of time it takes to go from the surface to the aquifer and then to the well and then back up the well and then to your tap, we're talking, I mean, it's not even, it's not, it's not like years, but the recharge rate is like six to 12 months. So the fact that the EPA was running into people's houses immediately saying, you're safe, your water is safe. I'm like, duh. Yeah. Of course, it's no one's arguing it's safe. Yeah. But if you go to the rivers in the area, all the fish are dying, the yeah. cats are dying, there's yeah. coons dead, there's yeah. birds dying, yeah. and soon your water will be dangerous. It's okay right now, but it takes time to do. And I'm just like, I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like I shouldn't be having to explain this. Yeah. I feel like the EPA should be coming in and saying, hey, we're going to test your water, but you also have to understand that your water is not going to be dangerous for six to 12 months. We mm-hmm. will send a crew in starting at four months, and we're going to test from four to 18 months mm-hmm. to make sure nothing. Where are these people? Mm-hmm. They don't want to, they don't want, they just want to make people feel good mm-hmm. and then move on. And that's, that's just corruption at the deepest level, man. Uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, there's a saying of if you can choose between malice and stupidity, it's almost always stupidity. Uh, and like, there's probably someone, you know, the way the, the, have you heard of the, like the banality of evil, the, that no. uh, it's kind of, it, uh, it's used in, well, a lot of when people have critiques on capitalism or the machine of capitalism, you oh. know, it's not, about it's not each individual's person's fault that any one big bad thing happens but one person processes the paperwork oh well they're just processing the paperwork so they don't have to they don't change anything someone processes this you know they do the next step and each person is so segmented or taken away from the end product that Mm. each person feels like they're not complicit. Uh, This is a discussion with like a lot of the, um, what's a way uh, almost to remove yourself from a bad situation because you're not the whole bad situation. Well, Right. And like, even though you are at, like you are part of it, you can abstract it enough to be, to say, well, I'm not the one causing the direct harm. So I'm not actually part of the problem. Even if it was a person, at headquarters signing a piece of paper acknowledging the actionable levels raising up right and so i bet that there was just someone probably lazy you know Mm. that they just didn't want to do something Mm. and then someone from higher up was like you need to do this right i'm Mm. i i I think corruption i don't think there's like a machiavellian plan i think it was probably right it's probably much sadder than that that someone in a stressed out government job just wanted a day that was easier and so they just they put a couple more zeros there and boom and now instead of having to work overtime and not getting compensated they're now fine you know and that's it's almost sadder far less nefarious approach than i am (laughs) thinking that the epa is like hey we need to get ahead of this knowing that norfolk southern is going to sue us i i they're 
I mean, that's a fun line. <laughs> There's probably a middle ground yeah. here where, the, like, the there might have been someone from Norfolk Southern well, that I mean, contacted. Well, EPA. Norfolk Southern like came out publicly and said, like, it was a public statement yeah. saying we are going to sue you if you shut down the railroad. Right, but you know, for every public statement, there's lots of pu- oh, private statements being and made. Private conversations and private conversations. We only get and, yeah one percent yeah. of, of the story. I don't and, understand that. You know, we get more of the that than other countries, which is where we get such great uh, rave reviews across the pond. Because <laughs> we don't have, like, we have really, for better and for, for better, like, we have really, like, libel, our libel laws are very free. Uh, you know, people can pretty much say whatever they want and vastly don't get punished, which is ultimately, I think, a good thing. If, but right now we're in, I don't know, it, it can kind of go sideways as well. But I, yeah, yeah. So we kind of went on a topic that yeah. I wasn't necessarily planning on talking yeah, about in any and, capacity. Yeah, and it's not my expertise. We, but... why, don't, why don't we introduce <laughs> you? For, and, and, and we're only 30 minutes in, yeah. so. Yeah, good, good. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Like, what do you do right now? How far are you? Because you are in the process of becoming a MD? Yes. D-D-O. And a DO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So... Uh, and you're at Michigan State University. Yeah, College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm technically a fourth year, so I'm in my final year of med school. Um, also served Navy six years, nuclear electrician on submarines. Um, you ever have a scare? Hmm? Did you ever have a scare when you were on a sub? Um, like, oh. like, oh shit, we're not coming back to the surface? Uh, thankfully, no. I didn't. Really? Um, you never were claustrophobic? Uh, well, no, it's really... Com- well, okay, I don't know if this counts... Well, actually, I do know. Uh, it doesn't count as claustrophobia, but um, people would have these things called uh, coffin dreams in on subs. And what? Coffin dreams. You know, coffin those, dreams? The, yes. These are things that everyone has. I've never had I know, coffin I know. dreams. This is like the, the stories we tell ourselves that we're normal. Uh, and and, so, the, and this is like a normal thing for? Submariners. Submariners. Because the uh, racks that we sleep in are so, they're tight. They're not like, I don't know. You can't sit up. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like I slept in racks when I was on a boat in Alaska, but I believe I had a lot more room than you guys would probably have. I could come onto my side like like there would be probably 18 it, inches maybe 20 inches okay it de- depends on the rack so i never had a coffin dream well, it's just like because you know the, you please explain what this is all it is is you wake up you forget where you are you're a li- you're sleep deprived and you'll, you think you're in a coffin. You think you're in a coffin. <laughs> that you fell asleep. They buried you. You're yeah. underground. Yeah. I never. You're, you have like that uh, that fuge of you don't know yeah where you are, what you're doing. Um, my I never. So <laughs> I didn't have that. What I had was I would regularly uh, go to sleep, wake up 30 minutes later, think I'm late for watch, get dressed, go. And and, you're like t- and relieve hours. the watch, and they were like, "Dude, I just relieved you. Like, go to bed." Oh my god! <laughs> what was the worst part of that job? 
the cleaning. I mean, that's the thing. Like people think, oh, military, Navy, submarines, you're like shooting torpedoes and, you know, no, we were cleaning so much. All you do is clean. Yeah, we were, we, the joke is that nukes, like uh, people who are trained on uh, nuclear reactors are the highest paid janitors in the fleet (laughs) because... All you do is cleaning. Well, we're just cleaning. Well, I mean, like, how often are you shooting nukes? Did, well, zero percent of the time. Pretty much never. <clears throat> no, no, no. Let's be clear. I was the the cool parts of the submarine, right? So, yeah. hunt for Red October, sonar men, yeah. uh, all that stuff. Yeah, that wasn't me. I they they said the joke was shut up and push because we were just the we were the things producing energy for the yeah. ship. Yeah. Uh, so we we did not we no. What was it? It's nuclear powered, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's nuclear powered, so it's hot rock. Yeah. Boils, boils steam water. Yeah. At, to some degree. Spins a turbine. Uh, that steam gets shunted either to the main engine or to the yep. turbine generators, um, and it makes it go go fast. Zoom zoom. <laughs> zoom, zoom. zoom. <laughs> How fast can one go? I, I can't tell you. Do you know? You can't say that. <laughs> are you are you NDA for the rest of your life? Yeah. I mean, but it's like NDA for a good reason, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I might be, you, I might be able to say it, but I'm not going to because any of these specificities of it, the thing is, is that if I was the weak link that let it go, sure. not only would I, the government <clears throat> rain hell upon me, but <laughs> it might be I, I'm putting subs at danger. Yeah, sure. Because if you know speed, if you know depth, if you know distance, any of those things, that means you can depth charge, yeah. you can plan. You well, can I, put... I also know those, like those subs can virtually stay underwater for like six months or some some crazy number. So yeah, there's because the things that are limiting on a nuclear like sub food, is right? food. Yeah, uh, water is fine, and because you guys got RO there, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. RO is great. It's yeah. the best tasting water. You go you're talking about dilution, right? You go in the middle of the ocean, and then you RO that water. I drank RO from a bottle. It is so good. Yeah. So it's pretty much the only good thing about being on a submarine out in the middle of the ocean. I think I think about a sub. I think about being. Yeah. On a what sub. are your perceptions of a sub? Like, I think they're just so bet, damn slow. They're and, not. But, but that see, slow. like, but see, but that's the thing is like they're they're probably pretty quick because you don't have to worry about i think about the boats that i was on and a lot of those boats that they top out you know like even the really nice ones the really big ones i mean like 45 50 knots maybe Mm -hmm. a little faster for some of the destroyers or Mm -hmm. you know the the navy ships so you keep so hold on you saying boats is messing with my head because in the submariner world submarines are boats everything else is a ship that's so funny (laughs) so you saying boats i'm like see because in in the in the airplane world a helicopter is a plane. Like, like we would, we would call, yeah, the helicopters are coming in and be like, yeah, plane two is coming in. Oh, wow. It's, yeah. That, that I guess a, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. You just want to shorten. And then the, the other planes are also planes. So it was really confusing. <laughs> Ours was very simple. If it can go boats, underwater and, and come up, it's boat. A boat. <laughs> the submariners sub are the only ones that have that verbiage. Yeah. Everyone else in the world is different. Uh, no, like I would think about, you know, ships, like the one I was on, like topped out at like 28 knots. But you're fighting waves yeah, and yeah, wind. Yeah. And when you're, I mean, when you're subsurface, the only thing you have to worry about is current, more mm-hmm. or less. Yep. Um, I can imagine there's other things that there, I can't. There's other things, yeah. That I can't think of. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to pretend to know those things. But I guess when you don't have to worry about those, it would be easier to go faster. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. 
it, and uh, <clears throat> but the thing is, is that for submarines, speed doesn't uh, matter. It's silence yeah. that matters. Could um, were there like silent times where you had to like not talk and stuff? Um, so when you're on mission, you do things differently. Really, like you don't slam doors. You like everything has. You just, it's not, you know, you couldn't work out anymore, right? Because we would have a set of those uh, dumbbells, the, the adjustable dumbbells mm-hmm. or like a rower or uh, like a elliptical, mm-hmm. not elliptical. Well, we had a bike, a treadmill, and a set of can't barbells. running. That's so wild. To me. Yeah, because sometimes you'd run and you'd be yeah. like shift, you'd be yeah. kind of going side to side, swaying yeah. side to side. That's so so I will say like that is like the motion of a boat swaying side to side is absolutely wonderful to sleep to. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I love it. Yeah. I like, I go on cruises and I sleep like a baby yeah. on it, the, just the, the real slow rock. Yep, left right. Slow, uh, I mean, the, they think Out. it's because of when we're in the womb uh, and moving around and mom, yeah. like that is built into us because oh, of that. Man, I uh, love it yeah. so much. Yeah. You can buy a bed for a lot of money. I feel actually like I rock can, it. I can make Yeah, you could probably make, make it for one. like a fifth of the price. Yeah, I feel like with the amount of stuff that I just <laughs> come up with. Yeah. Now, literally, as you're saying that, I'm like, how do I do that? <laughs> like my brain starts going to like, be some kind of rocker because it can't just be like a left right on mm-hmm. a hinge it has to be like almost it's, like a swing mm-hmm. yeah a left right swing so mm, yep i'm a, i'm a, now you got my brain going and it's like weighted right because you oh, want yeah. it to be real nice, slow, slow. Yeah. yeah yeah no it's so you got done with that and then you decided to become a doctor <laughs> yeah basically i uh i shadowed some i thought i was going to be a physical therapist and I shadowed some VAs, physical therapists, and they just didn't have the same scope that, I, you know, I saw them treat like an arm and that was it. And it, that's giving them a lot of disservice, right? They do a lot of great work. They see patients often longer than a physician can. Yeah. And um, they do a lot of great work and they're a fantastic part of the team. And I just thought I wanted to have a more full spectrum ability to influence someone's care. Uh, and so then I decided, yeah, medicine. And it was a conversation with a friend's parent. And they were just like, you should just be, go become a doctor. <laughs> just just simple that as fast. that. <laughs> and, and you were like, oh. Yeah, I didn't, I'd never thought of it because like in high school, I wasn't the best student. And neither I, was I and at it's, all. It's, it's like, it's not. <laughs> doesn't matter matter. (laughs) if you're trying to go into college like immediately after they look at that so this is the thing though we lived in a different time like things are different for younger generations than it was for us they the some of the applicants that are going to some top-end schools like what they've done i don't know it it feels like it's 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 asymptotic not asymptotica logarithmic the Mm -hmm. difference that the top uh, kids do t- versus an average kid. Yeah. Like I had no chance then. I had right. I didn't either. I had less chance. I would have zero chance now to get into any quote unquote top ranked school. Spoiler alert: the education's the same. It's the people you meet that yeah. make top ed top end education worth it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I I very privileged 
to have gotten into U of M because mostly I think it's because I was a veteran. And so it's like, I can, you can check that box. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when it comes to, when it comes to school, it changed everything. So I, I mean, I did high school. I, I think I, I had to go back for an extra year because mm-hmm. I failed my senior year and it took five years. I think I graduated. It was like less than a one point GPA. It was like 0.7 or eight overall but I got enough done and then I had to take like correspondence courses over yeah. the summer and everything. Um, <clears throat> and then I moved away mm-hmm. and then I went to the coast guard and then I went into aviation and then I was like, Oh, this is what life is like. Mm-hmm. Actual life. Very different. And then I went back and I was like, I'm not going to get into a college. I'll just do like community college. And I did two years at LCC yep. Yep. community yep. college and graduated magna cum laude with my associates. And between that and my veteran, it propelled me. And I got um, scholarships to Michigan State. And mm-hmm. then did all, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's how it should be done. Yeah. Like live life a little bit, figure out what you don't want to do. Dude. And then go to college. <laughs> Our brain's not developed until 25. <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> I think I'm, it, it didn't get all the way there. Now it's declining. So I feel you're just hanging on. Uh, <laughs> Not yet, buddy. I don't remember sending you that text. I don't. I can show you. I'm sure I did send you a text that said, Hey, I'm going to send you a bunch of questions, questions. to like ponder before our meeting. And then I never did yeah. because I just, I never went back through our texts. I really should have done. I, I'm really good at that. So like if it's a phone conversation that I have with people, I do, I, it's like, 50% I'm going to mm. remember, uh, if not less. But text I'm really good at because what I'll do is I'll, I'll scroll back and read mm. them and it'll trigger the memories yeah. and then I'll remember it. But I just didn't do that. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, we, we don't we don't struggle with maintaining conversations, so it's no. fine. Yeah. Uh, but I had like a list of questions that I did want to ask you. Where? It, is it, it just in there? It's in my brain. Okay, great. About. Okay, great. This will be the first time. Sure. <laughs> Shoot them at me. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to talk um, because like you're going into medicine, yeah. but you have kind of an interesting perspective on a lot of different types of medicine because you're also going into, are you going into sports med? Are you? So, I mean, I'm in my application process right now and in the very unlikely event that a program director is listening to this. <laughs> I'm either shooting myself in the foot or like solidifying because I'm I'm dual applying. And Mm -hmm. in this stupid microcosm of a world that I live in, there's all these like untold rules that you have to abide by. And one of them is like you have to be absolutely dedicated to the specialty you're applying to. And any sense of you could do something else is like you can go rotten hell like (laughs) you are not part of this program. (laughs) If you're not fully committed, you can... (laughs) If you, if you want to say what you're going to do, I'll like bleep it out. <laughs> no, it's fine. So, I, well, it's funny you say it because I, I interviewed a girl named Kelly Carberry who was going in the same position that you were going into, but she didn't want to say for the same reasons of what you were talking it's about. It's so stupid. But she was going to anesthesia. Oh, okay. And she literally, she's like, I cannot say it. So you have to bleep it out. So I had to bleep it out for her. Okay. Look. I have the pr- thing is, is so my top choice is physical medicine and rehabilitation, mm-hmm. but I'm also going to be applying to family medicine, and uh, because I want to do at least at this point family medicine into sports medicine, um, PMNR also does can go into sports med. All that is a bunch of 
words shoved together. Yeah. I just want to work on like with medicine and then musculoskeletal. Yeah. Like I want to work on that. That's where the focus is, where I want to go. That's the, those are the two ways for me to get it. I'm not that competitive, like statistically, you know, I struggled in my first year of med school. Uh, that was a whole journey, uh, right at the ship, but I don't research. I think is fantastic. I think it's important. I love reading it, but how am I supposed to get into it or do this and all the, and it, it, it like, it, am I, what is the purpose of research is to discover new knowledge. It's not to check a box right. for an application. And so, so I don't, I have like, I only have my research from undergrad, whatever. So all that is to say, I'm applying to those two, uh, family medicine doesn't care as much at all. Like they kind of, I, cause I, they, they, they don't have the same scruples that others do. PM&R was super chill like five years ago. And then everyone realized it was super chill and it's been increasing in difficulty in just getting, uh, interviews. It used to be more of a vibe check is what people have said where you would interview and be like, yo, you cool. Like, can you hang out with us for four yeah. years? Are you going to be, a, you know, I could, like, I don't, do you swear? Oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, are you going to be a piece of shit? Like, are you going to actually learn? Or are you going to just be, you know, a shit stain that we have to carry you through four years and then be kicking you out the door? Like, that's what they ultimately, so the, I, I had a thing that I was going to ask you and we can just, but the pin is the question we can answer later is because medicine and military are so similar and it's kind of shocking. Really? Oh yeah. It's the hierarchical nature of it where you have, so in the military, right, your officer, your NCO, yeah. and then like your inner rankings between your own enlisted yep. people. <clears throat> in a hospital, it's like admin, because <laughs> they, they pull the purse strings, but like within a working unit of a hospital, doctor, resident, uh, and then nurse, like nursing staff, and CNAs, like certified nursing assistants, and respiratory therapists, all of that, and then med student at the bottom. Like you oh, are, <laughs> you so are you're nobody. Yeah, you are nobody. Uh, everyone's overworked, overburdened, understaffed, and you're just over there being like, "Hi, can you teach me about this <laughs> thing?" And sometimes they'll bite your head off, and then sometimes they'll be like, "Sure, let's do it." And you're like, "You don't know what you're gonna get." It's Schrodinger's cat every time you ask a question for help, oh, which is wow. a really good learning environment to teach new uh, aspiring physicians. Well, it, it probably washes out those that aren't committed real quick. But that's not the, but like that's, does that mean you get better physicians? I don't know. It, I, means it doesn't. You get resilient physicians. No, that's, that's the line they feed us is like, it, you're going to increase your resilience so we can screw these we can put these screws even tighter on you later and you won't squeal so much. <laughs> well, well, yes, that, that is true. <laughs> That's the idea. But like a lot of the military culture totally is the exact same for residency because it's military is often overworked, overburdened, underpaid, uh, underpaid yeah. uh, undersupported. undersupported. And like that is everything in medicine right now. Yeah. And so, so what knowing, was your question to me? Oh, like, ha have you seen, like, where ha have there been parts of your military career you've seen reflected in your non, like, your civilian career in ways that you weren't expecting? Um, I think if I would have gone more into, like, if I would have used my avionic 
uh, certificate that I got in the military and going like A and P and then mm-hmm. worked on an aircraft. I probably would have seen it more. Um, but when I got out, uh, degree in geoscience and chemistry, I, I got a job as a f- uh, like a field geologist first, and I was on my own. Mm. Like I was driving around a truck with a trailer that had a okay. uh, a drilling well in it, and I was working by myself. <laughs> taking core samples at 30 and 40 feet. So not really. Um, but that was probably a very unique situation. I would say probably more so like, Oh, you know, I should actually say I worked for the state for six months mm. as a lab scientist yeah. and fucking hated every minute of that mm-hmm. because everyone there hated every minute yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so there, yes, 100% working for the state worked for, um, uh, MDARD, the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. Okay. Uh, testing for pesticides and okay. produce. Oh. Uh, like I would go to Meyer and buy produce and then mm-hmm. test it for pesticides. Um, it always came back positive. <laughs> Just FYI. Your organic shit is full of pesticides. Yeah. Everybody. So it, wash your food. It, it, no, we're digesting it. So we, oh. we grind it and we're, it's, it's in the whole thing. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. boy. Pesticides, herbicides. There's like there's not a piece of fruit that exists on on the counter that doesn't have some t- some sort of pesticides. It, it, oh, man, this like the way we, you're, you know, Europe, you know, you can have your issues with how Europe does some things, but like they highly regulate their agricultural oh, yeah. industry and they well, you get these, produce way better products. Well, you get these monocrop agricultures, yeah, and they're side by side by side yeah. by side, yeah. Yeah. And in order for something to be called organic in the state of Michigan, right. in, in the U.S., it's, it's, it's if that crop of land has not used any sort of pesticides, or herbicides, or sprays for three years. That's all. How long do things last in the soil? A lot longer than three yeah. years, especially if it's monocrop. Yeah. That means they're not turning over the yeah. soil like they should be. Yeah. And then you also have it, the, the neighboring crops yeah. <laughs> and runoff. So if I'm spraying the, cur- the crop next door, it happens to be at a higher elevation with water runoff. You're getting those pesticides on your. There's not a food you have. The, that you have bought that doesn't have pesticides. I'm sorry, your organic shit is just like the regular shit. Just mm. go buy the regular shit and spend less money. Mm. It just doesn't look as pretty, though. You are well, pe- it's because they dye those. Oh, oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah. well, like, yeah, like the tomatoes are dyed with red 40. Pickles are dyed with green. Like, everything's <laughs> dyed. Yeah. The, the produce. Yeah. And they don't have to label the dye. No, because it's natural. It's considered like, oh. it's, con- it's considered a, a natural coloring. Oh. So they don't have to even claim that it exists that's, that's insane bananas are dyed yellow um peppers are dyed green and red yeah all that stuff is dyed huh. yeah i knew they did that with salmon like, yeah oh yeah uh, meat fresh. meat too oh. yeah so like if you're buying like lunch meat oh well, um, please don't <laughs> if, <laughs> if you're if you're buying lunch meat but also like other types of meat in the in the in the store a lot of the meat would be gray in color. <clears throat> like all lunch meat would be gray. It would all like 100% be, be gray. Um, but they dye it with nitrites and nitrates right, to be red. Right, so right. And red and pink to make right. it appealing. Um, but yeah, no, that would be gray, 100%. All, oh, all, lunch, all of lunch meat would be gray. That's, that's why like the really, really good turkey is like a white color, yeah. almost like a white that's because it doesn't have it's like nitrate oh, free. Oh right, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, nitrate, nitrate free, and, and there's a lot of studies going into like the nitrates and nitrites and what it can do long term. Yeah, I would say that's inconclusive. Yeah, 
Our body is remarkably resilient. Yeah. Which is why we get so many quacks and so many like <laughs> people dabbling in all this and that because our body is resilient. It wants to heal itself. Yeah. And so you can do a whole lot of damage to it and it actually make things better. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> or yeah. you'll get better. Well, you get these people that you know, go off the deep end like, I'm, I buy this because it's nitrate and nitrite free. And then they it just has and celery then they go juice and, in and, it. Yeah, and then they go and drink a diet coke, oh, or they, yeah. you know, that they, they go and get, you know, food from Subway. And I'm like, okay, well, I think you don't understand the. I mean, are you doing things that are better for yourself? Sure. I'm not. I'm. Uh, your point of view is harmless. Yeah. I, I put them in the category of like flat earthers. Like, <laughs> like your your perspective doesn't hurt anybody, so I'm not going to say anything. I don't care. Is it worth my time? No. Yeah. Keep yeah. doing your thing. Yeah. It's all, it's all good. <clears throat> the, uh, yeah, okay. It, I think what it is is people don't, we don't have a good way of quantifying health. You know, it's not like me drinking this water versus me drinking a, you know, purified whatever is, this is, this is one unit better than or one unit worse yeah we don't have a good scale to compare things to no because like cooking on a teflon pan from the 90s at high heat (laughs) that's really bad (laughs) but (laughs) is it i I, I don't even know this is it really oh you did you not so okay because i went on a deep dive this is this is news to me no so like the 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 devil you know is the documentary on it and so this is about the man this is dupont uh they were creating they were the ones who made pfas initially uh and teflon and um they're the town that produced this teflon it's i think it's in north carolina or south carolina it's somewhere in there like tennessee kentucky some somewhere in there uh, they were producing these PFASs and putting them on Teflon, and Teflon was nonstick. It was wonderful. I remember, I remember all the rave. Yeah, I remember about it. And what? The, so there's two things happening simultaneously. One, if you cooked it at unbelievably high temperatures, like basically if you left it on the stove on high, it would melt the Teflon and it would uh, cause like PFAS to be released. Oh, jeez. Very bad. It. Like, normal cooking conditions, to my knowledge of what I remember, didn't happen. Uh, but, like, it could happen, and it was part of it. And if you scraped it... Real hard. Real hard. You would start scraping off the PFAS, and that would just... You would just ingest it. Um, Which is why they say don't use metal. Yeah. So that's the thing. is like, they need to... They don't want to tell you why not to use metal, uh, because then you're scared of the product, but you really need to know why not to do something because it really, like me telling you, Hey, just use plastic on this or just use rubber is different from me saying, Hey, if you use metal, you're going to increase your risk of cancer. <laughs> then you wouldn't buy the product. Right. Which is why they don't do that. Yeah. But that's and the FDA says it's fine. It's yeah. safe because uh, you are adhering to this very... If you do it within their guidelines, right. the manufacturer's guidelines, you will not... Yeah. And the guidelines it. will probably say something like, you have to inform the people that um, there is dangerous if yeah. you use metal. And so yeah. they reword it and just say, only use plastic yeah. or rubber. Yeah. They don't actually yeah. say, don't use metal. So then, so that's one part. But then the other part is, is they're producing all this PFAS. And 
they the manufacturing process is incredibly toxic and like there are uh pregnant workers who are like dying and the, the details here are i'm getting a little muddy the big thing here is that they were actually just dumping all of this PFAS into like a lake or lagoon, like behind their shed, like behind the company's shed. And the people started like having birth defects, they started Jeez. having miscarriages, the kids and people. So the fluorination, right? When some fluorine, good, too much fluorine, very bad. And the, the teeth would blacken. Oh, and so this town has all these there's these specific cancers that actually so long story short they actually sued them um they actually got it proven that there were certain cancers linked to this PFAS consumption and uh like there was some recourse made but I don't think there's any like cleanliness restoration act done like essentially what keeps on happening is people will delay 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 uh, then the change of leadership will happen. And the new DuPont will say, hey, that was old DuPont. New DuPont never would have done that. So why are you going to hurt us, a hardworking, bootstrapping, American company to like pay for the sins of our forefathers? That's against the law, right? Because, you, you know, the whole, like the Constitution says you can't have the the debts of your father can't be transferred to the son you know things will get invoked and they'll be like you should you know we're gonna do it better from now on let's just leave the past behind us and so they know there's no restitution and they'll be like oh we'd have to fire all of our employees to pay off all of this damage that old dupont did and then yeah so etc etc they got they had to pay a lot for this town but they really didn't have to pay Nothing really happened because DuPont's still a company, still producing. Uh, you know, they formed, they merged with Dow, uh, and then they 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 allocate. This is completely tangential, but it's great. DuPont Dow they merged, yeah. and then they decided between the two between them, like what of the chemical industry, what do you want to specialize in? Cool, you'll take all these workers, I want to specialize in this, I'll take all these workers. They then broke up again and then created, I think, a third company, which is all of their worst assets. (laughs) So like the people who are meant to clean up and things, they they just dumped everything into this one company, which is totally par for the course for corporate America. If you look into the oil industry, they do this all the time with uh, oil wells that they're supposed to seal. Because uh, like old oil wells, mm-hmm. this is very again. This is my brain. I know lots about oil wells, right? The, the amount of methane that they produce, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It takes it like they're the biggest contributor or one of the biggest contributor to greenhouse gases, mm-hmm. and they well, it's it's less greenhouse gas if you burn it, right? In, in a controlled burn, like you you don't From just those stacks. <laughs> have you seen the stacks, the burn stacks? The ones that just have a little flame up top. That's that's. <laughs> That is a way. <laughs> it's very slow. And it's it's akin to like a pool with a pin prick and a dribble over time. Yeah. yeah. No. But methane in the environment's bad. Yep. If you burn methane cleanly, all you get is water and carbon dioxide. Yeah. But it requires like a container, like you have to isn't it like zero oxygen? Um yes, zero oxygen. Did that work? Why is this not working? There we go. Um, <clears throat> uh, yes and no. Okay. I mean, like you can you can just burn methane coming off there, and for the most part, it's going to be water and fine. 
water and carbon it's, dioxide. It's better than the alternative, which is just what Met, they do everywhere methane else. Methane in the environment. Which is where they just release it into yeah, the environment. Yeah, methane in the environment, it's much, it's much more potent at greenhouse yeah. gas than yeah. carbon dioxide like is. Two or three times, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's better. Yeah. Still but, bad. But, and it's too hard to capture and use. Yeah. It's just too hard. Like, yeah. how, how do you transfer that much methane over yeah. a distance for people to use? It's yeah. too hard. Yep. So they just burn it. Yep. Um, which I think is cool, but... Yeah. But like, there's because also like fire. But there's also a bunch of wells that are not being re- taken care of, right? And these oil companies will sell these wells to a third company that is actually their own company, and then that company will assume them. And that com- so because basically these big oil companies, they they buy these wells, and in the well uh, contract they have a stipulation to seal the well once they're done. But what they do is they sell the well before they're done. Uh, to another company that doesn't have that contract or magically goes bankrupt and so can't pay to seal the wells. And so now it becomes the state's property to reseal the well. It's so weird to me. Do you know how you seal a well? Uh, No, actually, I don't. You just dump betonite clay down it. Oh, that makes some sense, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, but those wells are deep and they're pressurized. Right. And so if, if they run out of pressure... Which a lot of times that's the reason why you seal up a well because the pressure is it's it's harder to suck oil up than it is to let it just come up naturally. Mm. So they they, they dump bentonite clay down it, and which is an expanding clay. Okay. Um, it expands. It, it's a it's a cleaning agent, but in those in those environments, when it gets water, it'll expand um, and seal the well. That's all you really have to do to seal an oil well is just mm. dump bentonite clay down it, but it. It's expensive. Oh, it's a lot of it. Yeah. And you also ruin any future chance of oil production at that site. And that's really... Cool. Well, that's really where... I like it. Well, that's that's probably the reason why is they're like, well, if technology advances and allows us to... Extract more, to squeeze this juice even harder. Correct. So the pressure has relieved to nominal, but now we can create... Um, a low pressure chamber up here that will naturally draw mm. the oil up without using these, you know, um, these different types of, you know, diaphragmic pumps. Uh, and that is what they're talking about. So that's why they don't want to seal them up is because they could maybe squeeze that lemon for a little more juice. And those are the ones that they haven't offloaded to a third party company. Correct. Like, yeah. And so, that's... and they just keep, if they just keep selling them, right. then you're good to go. You don't have to, you don't ever have to see yeah. them. Yeah. Sell, sell them versus seal them. Yeah. And Make the taxpayers pay for it. It's so it's... funny because I've been wanting to ask you about PEDS and oh. SARMs oh. <laughs> and microdosing. Oh, okay. And yeah. all of this stuff. And we're literally talking about sealing oil wells yeah. and and polyfluorinated substances. <laughs> like this has nothing to do with what I wanted to talk about. But it's natural. Yeah. I like organic talks. Um I got let's I got like five minutes and we gotta wrap it up. Okay. Um so number mo- one most important question. Yeah. Me for you. me. Yeah. Um oh. How do you feel about peptides for healing properties, like in- injected peptides for healing? How do you feel about that? I, that that's, I mean, so like, you, I think we. Because talk- I think that I think that there's a peptide that I'm looking into. I think it's called 
PC. I'll PBC. I'll have to look in five seven. So that this is this is beyond my scope. I'll have to look into it. Like, uh, I mean, I could see the benefit when you say peptides. I'm thinking, okay, so it doesn't stay in the system long. It's uh, so it's going to activate stuff and then it's going to go away. And that's one of the big down. That's one of the biggest issues with SARMs and androgen receptor modifiers is that, you know, building is good, but you build everywhere without stopping bad. Like if you imagine someone just building a house with no regulation and they're just slapping boards on like that's SARMs. That's 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 like ibutamorin. Sure, I don't even know what clenbuterol. That those are those are things in a very narrow niche that I like. I get their SARMs. Yeah. Okay, SARMs. Got it. Yeah. Uh, or just testosterone, right? Uh, supraphysiological doses of testosterone. I take. Right? I take. I do injectable tea. But supraphysiological. Uh, what do you mean? So that? we have a normal physiological range of testosterone. I'm super low. So so you're if you're getting it through a physician license in the United States, kind of. Uh, okay, jeez, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Uh, I I did I did the test for it and I was low. Okay, so very, I was. I think very, that's. I think it's like under three hundred. Yeah, is, I was really low. Yeah, and, and so they wanted to bump. I, mm-hmm. I think I think it was in the range of like. 180 to 220. I was super low. Yeah. Okay. And they wanted to give me 60 milligrams every two weeks. And I was like, no, I need to be in like the five to 800 range if I want to be the man that I want to be. So I just found some and I take it. I cannot. This is, do not, (laughs) that is not good. (laughs) I just go to my vet. I just stick a gun in their face and they give me testosterone no, and I, then I walk away. I, I also, t- I take it for other reasons too. Um, so the, the reason they were doing that dose, right, is they were going to get you into a physiological dose, uh, which is that huge range. I think it's 300 to 1200 yes. is what the range yeah. is. And, you know, there's a lot to be said because there's also about your body's ability, the, um, uh, Oh, my uh, med school brain not kicking in when it needs to. There's a uh, a guy that will float around and attach to the testosterone. Uh, sex hormone binding globulin. There it is. That's what I was thinking too. Uh, <laughs> and so if that binds onto your testosterone, you actually have lower T, right? So there's there's like uh, total testosterone and then there's free testosterone. Yeah. There, there's not, to my knowledge, there isn't super great measures of free testosterone, which is why we don't really use it uh, because it's hard to measure the when the globulin isn't attached to it. Right. So it everything becomes very difficult. And so that's why they were probably dosing you there to see if it would raise you enough and then get you retested, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it didn't. I, I'm, I'm more of a shotgun style kind of guy. Like if I'm going to do it, let's do it. And so I, I did enough research uh, that people have been taking testosterone for a long time mm-hmm. and there are large groups of studies. And so I planted myself right in the middle of those averages, assuming I'm an average human. And uh, I... So like issues with testosterone, mm-hmm. blood coagulation. Right? Well, I have, I have really thin blood. Okay. Like I, 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 I for so a long I, time I've had really, really thin blood. So I, so, so now we're talking into, we're using vagaries where like we need to know like, what does thin blood mean? What is your definition of thin blood? It doesn't, it doesn't coagulate like it should. Okay. So then are you deficient in uh, like factor eight? Are you like, what, what does that? So that's it's, where. 
that's a complex question due to the nature of the health issues that I've had. Yeah. And we haven't gotten to the bottom of most of those. Yeah, fair. And, but like, just from a, like thin blood can be many different things, right? Sure. Von Willebrand factor, you know, you know, hemophilia, things of that nature. I didn't um, even know that I had thin blood until last year um, when I had that large cyst removed. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. they were giving me lidocaine and the, my blood was washing out the epinephrine and lidocaine in like 30 seconds. Right. Cause, and they were cottering my head and I felt yeah. it. That was real fun, bro. That, that, that was, sounds like... Worst, most painful experience? It, uh, arguably. Yeah. Arguably. One of the most painful experiences of my life. Because you could hear the beep, and then it was searing pain. Have yeah. you heard a beep similar to that since then? I had, the weeks to follow, I had um, some very strange uh, reactions. I heard a car hon- a car mm-hmm. drove by and honked, and I, I like, jumped and freaked. Yeah. And then I was at the gym and somebody dropped a barbell and I like had a reaction and I was like, I wonder if this is PTSD. And, um, I had to work through it. It depends on how long that those symptoms were going. About two weeks. And then I was okay. So that actually wouldn't classify as PTSD. Okay. Well, it's post-traumatic and I was stressed. It's like adjustment disorder, I believe would be the appropriate. I've never, I've never experienced that though. So it was very strange. So I want to say this though, because I was being dismissive. Uh, The, this is where the medical nomenclature and then uh, the norm normie talk can really uh, make discussions so much harder because not satisfying the criteria for PTSD doesn't invalidate your symptoms and it's all a spectrum. And if your symptoms had lasted two more weeks, boom, PTSD. Yeah. Uh, But it It might might not even been two weeks, but it was, I've never had that before. That was very strange. Like I felt it in my body. Um, So that was, that was a very interesting uh, reaction, like physiological reaction that I had. That was strange. Um, Are there any good PEDs? (laughs) Okay, caffeine. Okay, is a tech. It is a performance enhancing drug. We've just because our brain, our bodies, and our human body brains love to classify things as good and bad. We have classified caffeine as good because people have been ingesting it since like uh, Istanbul, Constantinople. Right, there was a big thing with coffee. Whatever. Uh, like, how much is bad? Uh, so this is I get. So the funny thing with being a med student is people just like in your life just expect you to know things and we don't uh but (laughs) just pretend fake it bro so what i would say is that the i think it's the uh the obgyns of the world they recommend pregnant women not ingest more than 200 milligrams of caffeine daily so if we're looking at a safe limit maybe double that if you are not a pregnant woman and you do not have uh, pre-existing, pre-existing conditions such as hypertension, uh, anxiety, heart issues. Things, heart issues. You know, I think 400 milligrams is probably like a on the high side. On the high side of where you should be. I think a cup of coffee is like 100, right? Uh, so this is where we go into our like how big, a, how big is the cup of coffee? Right, because are we European or are we Americans? Because American. most Americans are 12 that, ounces, which is two cups grande, of coffee. Baby. And 32 it, ounces every morning. Oh, Let's go. Yeah, and it depends on the uh, the roast, right? Because light roast has more caffeine than a dark right. roast, and so like so it's 60 to 100 right 
is your cup of coffee six ounces? Most people probably drink a 12 ounce of coffee. Is is sugar a pen? Uh, I don't, I don't think so because I don't think there's been studies that have validated its use. Uh, enhance anything. Creatine. Oh yeah. That absolutely shown to increase your ability, your performance in sports. Uh, so creatine, uh, whey protein and, uh, um, Casein. Okay. Uh, like I, so because people go like, oh, long release protein, right? Recovery sleep protein. Right. I like it. Sure. Cool. Then if it if it makes you feel good and it gives you all the warm jollies when you go to bed because you ate some casein, well, probably performance the reason, enhancing. <laughs> the reason I like it is because it kept me fuller longer. Yeah. So I didn't wake up at two in the morning starving, which is what the other proteins did. Well, d- that kind of depends on what your macro I was composition. I was yeah. So the, that's kind of, oh, <laughs> it's like, look, let me throw in these other additional variables that could possibly. So sleep, creatine, uh, caffeine, like, so, which is funny because caffeine and sleep, uh, that's why you have to be very careful and monitor yourself. I try not to do caffeine eight hours before my sleep cycle. So I would argue most people, most people, right, do not metabolize caffeine quickly enough and should stop drinking. If they're going to bed between 9 and 11 p.m., they really should have a hard stop at 1 p.m. Yeah, eight hours. Yeah, like, and, and that's but and I that's would argue I noon is better. Like, that, sure, noon, yeah, yeah. I usually use the eight hour, um, eight hour. Oh window. yeah, that is eight hours. It that's is funny. Eight hours. That's okay. It's math. Um, yeah, it, it's hard. <laughs> I don't do math. That's why I went into medicine. <laughs> we get note cards. Mills, CCs, nah. No, no, no. Um, we they we note cards. Yeah, note cards. <laughs> yeah. We have little cheat sheets of all the maths. Um, I, I, I have gone so far into the research of caffeine because I know that. There's not just falling asleep, but there's sleep architecture. And in having having caffeine, it's like those people like drink coffee at like 8 p.m. They're like, it doesn't affect me. I'm like, bullshit. It does. <laughs> yeah. It Just because you're falling asleep doesn't mean you're asleep like shit. Yeah. And yeah. if you wake up yeah. feeling like garbage, it's probably because the caffeine was uh, was affecting the architecture of your yep. sleep. Yep. And wasn't allowing you to sleep as deep yep. or going into those sleep cycles. Yep. It was pre- it's preventing the ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Um, the circadian rhythm is interrupted. Also, like one alcoholic drink oh, every yeah. seven days completely disrupts that cycle yeah. as well. You know, alcohol is a good topic, but that'll that can be for another. Bro, time. we need to have yeah. like one of these. Yeah. Like, there's, there's Maybe so you many... could send me a list of questions and we could have a more structured conversation. I like organic conversations. I'm going to be honest with you. Like this is, I live for these. Um, but I feel like there's, there's so much that we have to, I mean, we didn't even talk about aliens. We didn't even talk about the congressional hearing about aliens. Did you watch that at all? So there was a, like uh, two days ago, there was a congressional hearing with three key Testament witnesses, two of, um, uh, two of whom were, former uh, Navy pilots, Air Force pilots, Navy or Air Force pilots. And the other one was a high-ranking intelligence officer in a government agency that is unnamed. And it oh. was he was a part of a program that... Uh, uh, it was part of a program that dealt with people that worked directly with the UAPs. And uh, he was very open and made huge claims Hmm. Um, like they, they were like, uh, saying that the government has in possession many UAPs. Um, <clears throat> uh, and the questions were like, were their biologics recovered with those UAPs? Mm. And he's like, um, yes, 
Uh, Whoa. And then the question's like, have anyone been injured? He goes, I have personal friends that have been injured from these uh, crafts or from the biologics. And they're like, are they aliens? And he goes, I don't want to use the word alien. We're just going to call them non-human. So. I mean, like, it's a pipe dream for us to think we're the only sentient creature in this Ah. universe. Because, like, we're talking about rolling the infinity dice, right? Yeah. I don't even like to think, like, they're from somewhere else and came here. Like, the our solar system is not very spectacular. It's kind of boring. And if you're on the outside looking in, Earth alone is small. And it has a wan blueness, but so does Neptune. Neptune is much more beautiful, hmm. and it's much bigger. So hmm. from the outside, Earth is unappealing. Oh, there's interesting. No, there's no reason why people, like somebody from the outside looking at oh, our solar system. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. There's yeah. no reason why they would choose Earth. Yeah. And if you look at where the solar well, system is. Do they view, do they have the same optic receptors we or do? Or even observational yeah. ex- right. receptors. And yeah. if you look at if you look at where we are in the arm of the Milky Way, it's very insignificant. Mm. It's kind of like in the outskirts. Yeah, it doesn't it, make any. It doesn't make any sense. So the idea that they would travel tens of billions of billion, 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 trillion, trillion, trillion miles to crash in the last mile of their trip doesn't really make sense oh, to me oh yeah yeah but yeah. what if it's not that at all yeah what if they were here first and we are an experiment mm. and oh now we're getting into some fun stuff yeah i mean because like really in the same way that ants aren't ready to understand the construct of human behavior yeah would we be ready to understand the yeah. construct of alien behavior if they have been here the whole time we created nukes that's when they arrived in 1930s and 1940s, there really haven't been any observations really since the, hier- the hieroglyphics on the walls in Egypt. So maybe thousands of years, nothing. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't, nukes, nukes so came. UFO, like alien type of thing, has never been seen in Not, ancient like. Well, in the ancients, there's writing on the walls of like circles and weird alien heads and stuff like that. Writings on the walls. But then nothing for thousands of years. Mm. And then 1930s, we we drop a nuke. All of a sudden, their sightings are on the world. That's cool. So I wonder if it's like, hey, they learned how to kill themselves. Mm. We're going to make sure they don't do that. Mm. We have been in a science experiment from the beginning. Mm. That makes a lot more sense than they traveled and then crashed. Right. Whoopsie doozy. Yeah. I mean, you I know? guess you could argue that like if there enough of them blew up and there's just fragments floating yeah. everywhere like that could also be a nat- uh, like thing Correct. and so they just had a like a big bang explosion type thing that yeah. they just were big enough that they just flew everywhere cuz in I, every direction yeah like that could conceivably it would still have to be close enough it would and like but like again in the in the scale of the universe like this is an inf- i can't my brain does not have well, the it's even older than we're expecting it now so now they're saying it's like 80 billion years old if not older no, it's only 5,000. What are you talking about? Six. Oh, six. Dang it. Six thousand. God, my joke can't uh, even land. <laughs> you were close. Yeah. You were really close. I was on a, a TikTok last night of a young young Earth creationist. Um, it was really, really fun. I went on his live. He has tremendous following, so it was really fun. We had a great conversation. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. Uh, dude, Miles, where can people find you don't. if they, they don't want to find you? Okay, so your name <laughs> is contact. Miles, no <laughs> last name. <laughs> I have no social media. I have no <laughs> publications. I technically have a publication, but hey, yeah. uh, no, um, they, they cannot. <laughs> don't contact you. That's the best outro I've ever heard. Uh, thank you, dude. Thank you for coming on, talking, sharing your wisdom. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, this has been great. Thank All you. Right. Bye, everybody.